Jack, I'm I'm drinking a flying dog ah. in heat wheat. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I got no beer Ooh, at all here. Fine. It's just okay, a bit. Are we ready? To, are we are we ready to do this thing? Or I think we're ready. I think we're ready. I thought we just started, but okay. Uh, wherever you'd like. Yeah. Um, so there I was with all these turtles crossing a runway. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's second. First, I want to go. So uh, well, I figured we needed a lot of time to get to it. We're going to start off tonight with an off-field landing of the week. All right. Uh, we've talked about some oddball off-field landings of the week in our time. Uh, for example, there was once when a guy landed his airplane, not in an emergency, just because he needed a place to land on a golf as i recall it was a he landed on a golf course fairway in order to drop off his son for a tennis lesson or a tennis tournament or something like that all right remember this and the guy got in all kinds of trouble some people just I, I thought do remember that yeah some people just thought it wasn't a good idea for him to be landing routinely on the fairway so uh well, no, no one said it was routine but no one said it was well, you know the they said the big well, thing is what's his handicap you know yeah, well, right. His handicap might be the zip code he's living in, but that's 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 a whole other topic. Um, but in it, yeah, go ahead, David. If, if the ro- if the rotor slices your golf ball when you've just teed off, does that you know? Do you have to take a mulligan for that, or do you get to put both halves? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so now we have. Uh, let's see. Now I'm reading from a story in of all things the CasinoCityTimes.com website, um, but and I'm not exactly sure the connection here, but that's what I'm reading from. Uh, and the story says a, a bystander saw an ultralight plane going down just outside Montreal and called 911 to report it, only to discover that the pilot had landed in the parking lot of the Le Rendezvous 1035 Strip Club and had gone inside and later left the club and flew away so uh canadian authorities rule canadian aviation rules state that the pilot should only land on public places in case of emergency da, 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 you know the rules that you would expect anyways the guy landed his ultralight in uh in the parking lot in order to go to the strip club strip club david you used to be an ultralight guy is this a common thing <laughs> uh you know i i i, I gotta confess i've landed a lot of places that were not designated airports until we cleared it with the property owner uh, and then landed there. Uh, and I don't think at any time it ever occurred to us that we could have been doing this in a strip club parking lot. We kind of tended toward restaurants and, and, and you know, little country stores and things yeah. like that where we could get gas to fly back out again. Yeah, that's your story, and you're sticking with it, right? Well, we would have probably had to bring more ones. <laughs> 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 yeah, they, they they don't make change. Uh, let's see now. There's actually a, another version of the story from the Canada.com website, which is a sort of news uh, thing. Uh, a Quebec. I thought man- they did a great job with it. Wrong strip. Yeah, I know. Right. That's uh, the headline is wrong strip. Man could face charges for landing ultralight at strip club. Uh, Quebec man could uh, face federal transportation charges after police say he landed his ultralight plane by a strip club in Carignan, a community south of Montreal, last Saturday evening. So, anyways, it goes on. I don't know. It's just like, uh, well, here's the yeah. There's a a quote here. Uh, um, I can't remember. I can't see who the guy's name is giving the quote. But quote: It is illegal to land in a parking lot, private or public. 
and he had modified the part of the tail which identifies the ultralight plane. Oh, oh, no, oh, I know there, how that works. There was no ID number. There may <laughs> not have to be an ID number. Well, yeah. in the U.S., ultralights don't have n- yeah. end numbers, do they, in Canada? I don't know. There aren't actually ultralights in Canada, right? There's something else, right, David? They're, microlights. Yeah. Microlights. microlights or yeah. And uh, I believe that they have a higher weight limit and allow two-seaters. But now I heard stories once upon a time of guys with two-place ultralight trainers who were only supposed to fly on training missions but occasionally would pull the back seat out and swap out rudders. Because the rudder was where the registration number was for the experimental amateur built airplane. So with no tail number on the rudder and you saw it in the sky, it looked with the no back seat, it looked like an ultralight. I heard stories of that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you heard stories. I understand. I heard stories of that. But uh, Jeb can back check me on this. Is there, uh, you know, if you if you don't violate the the clearance requirements, you know, how close you get to what, uh-huh. there's no blanket prohibition in landing someplace other than an airport, uh, particularly if you got permission, right? Absolutely not. Well, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there I don't think there isn't to that extent in Canada either. Yeah. So if this guy had permission from the strip club manager, he's good to go. Well, that's well, true. Or, or if the strip club club manager says, "Hey, who cares?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you remember, you got some clearance issues here too. I mean, since it's not a designated airport, you got this whole thing. You're not be, supposed to be closer than this uh, horizontally and closer than that, and except, except for landing and takeoff. And takeoff. I understand that. Uh, Which is, but that's where the argument's going to be because careless and reckless, the old catch-all, sure. because you were inside the recommendations for even an airport. Well, keep, keep in mind, though, you know, Canada does, I'm sure, this, th- this kind of thing completely differently. And I'd, I'd certainly be interested in hearing from some Canadian listeners in the forum as to how this, you know, do- does develop out. That'd be, that'd be interesting to follow up. It would be. It would be. So we'll come back to this later on. But, uh, and, 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 and what I want to know, I, I think it's really important to get clear on this. If there was a parking lot attendant, were you supposed to tip him? That's what the ones are for. Well, uh, you might tip him. You might tip him with a wing. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, tip your wing when you're leaving, and there you go. You got it covered. Uh, we also have. Uh, so that's the first of what may be many off-field landings of the week this week. But we'll come back to that. Now we also it's have. Summer. We also have. That's right. It's summer. We now have. We also have two instances of runway incur. Actually, three, but two we're going to talk about right now. The first one is uh, reading from. Uh, this is Reuters uh, by way of Yahoo. News, uh, Dateline New York, flights at John F. Kennedy International Airport were delayed shortly on Wednesday when about 150 diamondback terrapin turtles were spotted crossing a runway, authorities said. The reptiles were trying to get to the other side of the... Is a joke. This is just a joke. We got to work on this joke. Uh, you get on the other side of the runway. Oh, to lay their eggs on the sandy shores of the Jamaica Bay Wildlife Refuge, which borders the airport. So, uh, so I just don't even know where to go with this. Uh, there were a hundred and yeah, Jeb. So flight delays attributed to turtles were minor, about fifteen minutes or so. It really shouldn't even be a story in the in the general media. It, it, it's it's just not. Who who gives a shit? 
Pardon my French. <laughs> no, well, you know, obviously we do, so I'm not surprprised yeah, that, that the mass but media we're, but we're an aviation podcast. So, you no, know, it's yeah. just it's just too good to let it go by. Well it, it and, and the follow up story and there the, was a yeah. there was a special on turtle soup at the airport terminal the next day. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, 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 no. Um and then if that's not weird enough. Uh, we've got a uh, from the Manchester Evening News website. This and I first caught this. This caught my eye because I thought this might be Manchester, New Hampshire, but it's not. It's Manchester in uh, in Great Britain, um, in England. Uh, drama at Manchester Airport as pink flamingo closes runway. Oh my God! John Waters opened there. <laughs> Workers at Manchester Airport were left. I I, I thought. Yeah, Jim. I thought. I thought. Pink flamingos were like a trailer park convention. I didn't think they really existed. Well, that was, you know, when I was first thinking this was Manchester, New Hampshire, I'm going, pink flamingo? Well, this is just too good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, it's not Manchester, New Hampshire. Workers at Manchester Airport were left in a flap after a pink flamingo forced the closure of a runway. The large bird sparked a bizarre airfield drama by evading capture for almost five hours. They apparently spent five hours chasing this bird around the uh, airport. Staff of the airport's wildlife control unit called in police and they chased the animal nicknamed ringo with nets i mean this is just an episode of benny hill right here all right this is they nicknamed him ringo they apparently nicknamed him ringo first of all it should be bruce okay but secondly why did they presume that it's a male you know i oh the coloring i think the coloring uh, and 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 the gold chain with the emblem it, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the rings all the all the, the the platinum rings yeah yeah anyways they apparently every time they chased him around he'd take off he'd fly all right uh but then he'd return right back to the airport at another location so they spent a long it, time uh it, yeah there must be something are, good there to eat after all what what are airports for other than flying from one place to another i know we're talking touch and goes here right, right. it's you know? Oh, it was a currency check. <laughs> yeah. I'm skimming through this article here trying to see what the resolution of the whole thing was. The bird wouldn't go away. They didn't want to harm him, so they were first forced to play a waiting game. And uh, Eventually, Ringo flew off at about 12.30 p.m., but not before giving staff the runaround for most of the morning. Uh, apparently, staff workers with binoculars kept a lookout for him. Uh, the origin and- of... Of the flamingo remains a mystery. The airport contacted every local wildlife sanctuary, sanctuary, but none of them reported a missing bird. Sanctuary. Oh my, oh my god! Oh my god! There's a, a a pink flamingo on the loose. Yeah. We're all gonna die. Well, in fact, <laughs> apparently this came to the public's notice because somebody posted it on Twitter. Somebody apparently posted flight ten flight ten minutes late because of a flamingo on the loose. I kid you not. I'm flying from Manchester. Somebody tweeted. So, anyways. Well, you know, <sighs> gee, ten minutes. I don't get it. I don't know. What, what's the big and and in other news, the uh, airport terminal announced a special on pink flamingo sandwiches the next day. <laughs> no, no, that's just wrong. That's wrong. Welcome, folks, to episode two hundred and forty-two of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise that's yeah right. this that's is right. this is the best seat in the house that's right 
got Skyriders now. We got Skyriders. We got Skyriders now. Does that say UCAP? I can't. It's got a runway in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) And you're in sight, Clearland. Turkey Central Ground, good afternoon, sir. Taxi via Foxtrot and Delta. We're recording this episode on Friday evening, July 8th, 2011, and uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar are my two good friends. Dave Higdon's out there talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How you doing? Oh, doing great. I'm kind of sitting here with my mouth watering over the idea of black and pink flamingo, but... <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. David will fly anything. David will... Oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we can, draw, we, can, we can draw a line through that one right now. That's, okay. All yeah. Right. yeah, but we're doing wonderful here. We're gonna we're we're gonna see some airplanes up close and personal this weekend. There's some warbirds coming to uh, the vicinity next week, mm-hmm. and we're gonna go out and take a look at them. Uh, and we're gonna be talking to a couple of people on Sunday afternoon who kind of called us out of the blue and said, "We understand you used to own an airplane. Uh, if you'd have time for a beer, we'd like to ask you about how much went into that because we think we'd like to own an airplane." Hey. Uh, oh, very cool. How long have you been flying? Uh, well, we heard that you don't have to have a license to get an airplane, and we thought if we got the airplane and da 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 da. So I was like, wow, there's three of us. That? Yeah, I know. Cool. Cool. And before I forget, that other voice out there is uh, Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you this evening? I'm, I'm fairly well. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, once again, basking in the glow of putting uh, the magazine to bed. Uh, Yay! That's right. That's why we're doing this on Friday instead of yeah. Tuesday. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Honey. Congratulations, and, and Jack. If if it if, if it hadn't sucked for Jeb, it would have sucked for me to do it on Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday. So this works out well. Yeah, it's been a crazy week here, too. It's uh, a yeah, yes. uh, 4th of July week uh, here in the United States, and uh, so that wiped out Monday. And then I had a big family adventure on Tuesday and then started to catch up on Wednesday. Anyway, so, yeah, Friday w- worked out just fine, I guess, all around. And, and it's oh, the week and a half after Canada Day for our Canadian friends. So, And, oh, by the way, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from uh, high atop Lookout Point in Overrun by Summer Vacationers in Nottingham, New Hampshire. Uh, the uh, oh wow you get those huh oh do we ever the lake that i live on here that lookout point is uh, located on uh half of the shoreline of this lake and it's a not a huge lake but not a tiny one either half of the shoreline is taken up by a state park and uh so oh uh, lovely so tourists are a big part of our world here and uh Fourth of July is the big holiday and oh, and sure, yeah. just a few weeks ago you 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 know you if you didn't know already, you could just hang out by the lake from day to day and know when school lets out, you know, when, when school is done for the summer, because the, the kind of background din rises dramatically from one day to the next. Um, and uh, the kids are out of school for sure. So I keep having visions of Lake Placid. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Huh? I'm not sure if I get it. What's the joke? The movie Lake Placid. The movie Lake Placid. All right. Two things. Two things you are not going to surprise you. Two things are not going to surprise you. One, I haven't seen this movie, and two, Jeb has it on DVD. <laughs> I actually do not have this film. Well, on. okay, but you can get but, it on on but, demand. So, but I was just watching 
a DVD I have just recently acquired as a gift, um, uh, Sky King. Oh, yes. very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's 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 pretty cheesy, but um, yeah, but it's it's, it's a classic. You know, you it's know what the I 19, would, It's yeah. the 1950s. Cheesy in TV. How do you think Velveeta survived except for cheesy TV? And you know what cheesy late 50s, early 60s TV show I would love to see is, was it actually called Whirlybirds? Do you remember, yeah. do you remember the show? It, and, yeah. I don't remember that one. And it was, like, it was like the California Highway Patrol or something like that, and they used uh, these, uh, or the, 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 the MASH helicopters. Uh, yeah, the Bell 47, to, and uh, there was a uh-huh. series about the, the Blue Angels. Yeah. There was a TV series about the Blue Angels. Was uh, there really? What, what airplane were they flying back in that day? Uh, I think they were flying their first jet. Uh huh. Really? Uh, They had them flying jets in a TV show in the late fifties. Yeah. They must have had a lot of support from the military because that's. Yeah, that that would be kind of. That's a lot of production value. My goodness. Well, that's cool. That's another one. These guys didn't spend their whole lives on on the air show circuit. You know, they flew from aircraft carriers for the you know for the navy. Yeah, but but one would imagine. And it went back and forth. But one would imagine that every (laughs) every episode had some sort of uh, footage of flying in it, and. uh, Oh, a whole lot. Yeah. 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 So. Anyways, well, we should track down both of those. Whirlybirds was Whirlybirds, Sky King, of course. And do you remember the name? Was it just called Blue Angels or something? What was it called? I think it was just called the Blue Angels. Yeah, that one I've never heard of. We'll have to check that one out. Okay. Another it, another one another one to put on the list. Yeah. Something called Rip Ripcord. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember that. You're, yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. obviously yeah. skydiving, was, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was yeah, a problem that, that these people encountered that couldn't be re- resolved without a good skydive. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, I, you know, and they weren't even smoke jumpers. Well, I don't think. That's right. That's right. I, I, um, I only vaguely remember the title. I cannot even begin to remember any characters or see. You know, you remember Ken Curtis? He's an old time actor. Um, oh yeah. He was on uh, uh, the later, um, or maybe the early Dodge. Uh, um, Marshall Dillon's, whatever those Gunsmoke. 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 He was on Gunsmoke for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's he's one of the guys in this uh, in this parachute operation or something. Well, he was yeah. in the Blue Angels too. What was he? I did not know that. I'll I check think out so. Yeah. Right. Let's see now. Here from uh, uh, from IMDb, it says operating their skydiving surface service company called Ripcord, Jim Buckley and Ted McKeever are able to get places that others can't and get there much faster. Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, Ken Curtis and Larry Pennell. And uh, let's see if Ken and, Curtis. Yeah. Let's see if Ken Curtis was also in this Blue Angels thing here. Uh, ripcord. Uh, I'm not seeing. Let's just search for the word blue. Wikipedia: Blue Angels, the TV series, 1960 to 61, syndicated television series about the Blue Angels of the U.S. Navy. Huh. Dennis Cross is Commander Arthur Richards. Don Gordon, uh, Michael Galloway. Russ McDonald, Morgan Jones, uh, Jiminy. I, I, I don't know much about that program, but I'll, I'll, I'll bet you this one thing. The uh, uh, actual uh, Blue Angel pilots who flew for the, the actual airplanes, I bet they, got, I bet they had sex a lot. 
<laughs> Unlike now, right? Yeah. Well, uh, and it, it, Burt Reynolds appeared in Blue Angels twice as a guest. Yeah, there you go, huh? And then just to complete the thought, Whirly Birds was 1957 to 1960, uh, 111 episodes of the Syndicate Show. Oh, wait a minute. I wanted to see a synopsis. I don't know. Uh, Kenneth Toby, Craig Hill, Nancy Hale. Oh, Kenneth Toby. Boo, wah. Yeah. It, the thing, the original, the thing, uh-huh. and a whole bunch of other great 50s okay. driving okay. sci-fi movies. Okay. Yeah. Oh, according to this, they weren't police. According to this, Chuck and PT owned a helicopter company that is hired to perform all types of jobs. Yeah. No, they weren't. They, they weren't chips or anything like that. Yeah. Anyways. They were like the skydivers. They could get places others couldn't faster. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But I was wrong about the uh, guy being in the Blue Angels. They didn't have to jump out of a perfectly good aircraft. Yeah, I know, right? right. Although, although I'm not sure if you would describe a helicopter as a perfectly good aircraft. Well, there is there is that conundrum. There's a debate Uh, about that. That's right. That's right. So uh, I don't want to have that debate tonight, but um, (laughs) But we're all getting together at Oshkosh soon, so uh, there there will be time. We'll have ample opportunity. Yeah, I don't know whether uh, whether uh, Turbo Ed will be out there. He can get involved with this conversation too. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, meanwhile, uh, good luck, Ringo, over there in Manchester. Uh, try not to get sucked up by JT8D or something. Yeah, huh? tell me about it. You know, we were talking. The, the list is is just humongous this week. Uh, no way we're going to get through Let's the whole do list. Sixty second drills. And so, no, and no, so, no, how, what do we do? <laughs> how do we how do we start out by getting through this big list by talking about TV shows that aren't even on the list? All right, so uh, all right. Where are we here? But they were all aviation related. All right, 67, 60 seconds. Um, no way. It just like makes me laugh when I even say that. Uh, we have another runway, or I don't know if it's a runway incursion or what. There's a, this is a story from Flying Magazine, uh, A340 and Triple Seven in near miss on JFK runway. They were avoiding turtles, I think, right? Um, What's this story about? Lufthansa jet with 206 passengers had, a, had to slam on its brake during takeoff from JFK to avoid a near collision with an Egypt Air jet this past week, according to the FAA. Jeb, this is up your alley. You know anything about this? It, it, this is kind of a here we go again. You know, uh, general media is, is you know, kind of sensationalizing something. Um, I'm not sure which was which. Uh, I believe the 340 was accelerating on takeoff roll with a proper clearance. Uh, and the triple uh, seven, operated by Egypt Air, had crossed the hold line on some taxiway uh, adjacent to that runway. And you know, the the three forty uh, on takeoff roll aborted, as I understand it, stopped well short of the triple seven uh, and exited the runway. Uh, had to go for a break, a uh, cool down, and inspection. Uh, I don't know what happened with the triple seven. Um, you know, somebody taxi passed a hold line. Uh, they didn't enter the runway. Um, everybody did the correct thing. System worked. Uh, what's the next topic you want to talk about? Yeah. David, anything you want to add? No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, news is so much simpler and more straightforward to explain when it, it didn't happen. So, yeah. yeah. Two more uh, off-field landings of the week. This, these, these are a little bit more traditional. Uh, let's see now from, uh, what am I reading from here? Uh, a blog, the Catherine Aviation Report uh, writes. Who is, who is Catherine? I'm not sure, but she gave us a lead on this, uh, this uh, uh, off-field landing. Uh, she includes a piece of video from 
First Coast News TV, um, which presumably is the local TV station. Anyways, uh, pilot Dan Holliday of St. Augustine, Florida, I would imagine, uh, has a simple explanation for how he was able to land his plane successfully at Crescent Beach on Sunday. Quote, I was just lucky. It was just dumb luck. Now, by the way, I'm going to disagree with that esti- that evaluation. Uh, yeah, I, I am too. But uh, uh, Holiday, 75. Well, uh, you know, you could say it was lucky he had 3,000 hours in type. Yeah, there you go. See? Right. He found himself in a fixed Sunday, af- Sunday uh, after the plane's engine shut down at 12.15 p.m. Uh, as uh, Holiday and best friend Candace Carroll, also a pilot, were returning from a weekend stay at Marsh Harbor in the Bahamas. Uh, all of us have to practice this all the time, Holiday said. Uh, of what par- pilots refer to as power off, power off, soft field landings. Quote: I did one about a month ago. You're practicing all the time, he said. But Sunday's experience was the real thing. So I landed on the beach. Apparently, that's the picture we're seeing from the video here. And uh, uh, looks like the airplane's in good shape. Well, from here, this, here's the money. Here, you gotta go ahead. Yeah, here's the money quote from the story, though. Uh, this news story. Um, the state patrolman who showed up was so professional, he just said, quote, don't worry about it. This is an incident. Everybody's okay, unquote. That's the way this should be handled. Um, nobody got hurt. Um, he did the right decision. He flew the airplane. It'll, it'll get trucked out. It'll fly again. Um, what's the big deal? Yeah. Well, that's excellent. And congratulations yeah. to uh, Pilot Holiday, Halliday, Holiday, and... Uh, um, and although I, I won't deny that luck plays into th- everything in some way, I suspect yeah. there was a there was yeah. a, you know what's the, there's a there's a great old saying that uh, uh, and I heard it in the context of a, a legendary golfer was asked one time um, whether he attributed his success to luck and he said yes I'm very lucky and the more I practice the luckier I get uh, and uh, same thing um, you know you practice these things at a pilot and as a result. Luck works for you, anyways. Um, and another off-field landing of the well, week. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be lucky than good, but um, this, yeah. is, this is a little about. Okay, that one too. You, uh, it, it never you can never beat being good and lucky. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. And then finally, we've got a uh, another off-field landing of the week. Uh, this one from uh, Woodside, California, my old stomping grounds here. Uh, small plane lands on bends. On I-280 in Woodside. Uh, oh, that would be as in the Mercedes clan. There you go. There you go. Uh, Dateline Woodside, California. A small plane made an emergency landing on Interstate 280 in Woodside Sunday night, striking the rear window of a moving Mercedes Benz on its way down. Authorities said no injuries were reported from the incident. Uh, assessment. Couldn't, have been, couldn't have been a Subaru or a Kia, right? Yeah, no. Well, you know, and the airplane, the Cessna 210, was on a, quote, say, photo yeah, mission. Centurion, so. Yeah, uh, when it, the plane lost power. better for the airplane. Pilot issued yeah, a mayday call. A in, but I, probably got a, Go ahead, Jeb. I was going to say, probably put a good whack in the Mercedes, but I want to have that gear inspected, too. Well, oh. you know, and, and, you know, all kidding aside, uh, he, so he, he, according to the story, he his gear hit the rear window. I mean, you could have gotten seriously tangled up really easily oh, yeah. there if you're, that's that's a, you know, fortuitous turn of yeah, events. Yeah, I mean, and, if you break uh, the window and the wheel catches inside the roof frame and yeah. then the airplane pivots around and the prop chops through the roof and decapitates somebody in the front seat, well, that would make it messy. That would make it here, messy, here, yeah. Here, here's, here's my question for the group, okay? You're, you're, you're in an airplane, you're in a single, and the engine quits. 
and the only reasonable place to put down the airplane is a moderately busy highway. Okay, how do you do that? Okay, this guy obviously hits hit somebody. Hang on a second. But he was going with the traffic. Well, I think that's about to be Jeb's question: Is do you do it with the traffic or against the traffic? You know, oh, definitely with the traffic. Yeah, there. Well, see, the but the school of thought here is that when you're when you're with the traffic, yes, you're kind of more, slightly more synchronized flow-wise. But when you're against the traffic, they can see you coming better to get out of your way. No, 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 no. right. All right. Well, no, now, no, so no, now that no, Jeb's no, back, no, no, no. now that Jeb's back, we're going to let him tell us what he really was. Ne- never, never land against the traffic. That's that's, that's just right. Poop. That's just poo poo dumb. Okay, okay. Just don't even think. They don't even think. About it. All right, then. What, what were your What were you thinking? The choices no, were here. Here, here's my choice. You're going to land with the traffic, okay? But do you, um, you know, depending, presuming you've got the energy and you've got the clear uh, uh, highway to do this, do you just fly a normal approach uh, at a constant angle of descent and then flare the <clears throat> flare the airplane and you land wherever you land? Or do you kind of flatten flatten it out and get, you know kind of get a good speed going, pass some cars so they see you, pass them just a few bingo. feet above them, so they see you and they stop or slow down, and then you land in a clear space between them and the cars in front of you. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is that what you I'm, would do, I'm, or would you do I, something I, else? You're right on the money. I, I do the old fart merge into traffic thing, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. okay. Except it's a merge from above. Yeah. Right. And well, that yeah. is, you pick your hole, you get into it, uh-huh. and you hope, even though you don't have brake lights, that the number behind you is not talking on a cell phone. Right. <laughs> okay. So this is basically a variation on the Fond du Lac approach over a cop car with a video camera in the front window approach. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's a famous video that we've talked about in the past. Except, and, except uh, in this case, the guy's timing. Happened to cause him to apparently bounce a tire off the rear window of a Mercedes. <laughs> how much, and, and and how susceptible, and I'm kind of semi-serious here, how susceptible is an aircraft flying to being bumped by something? There's a video, there's a, there's a, not a video, there's a, there's a still picture I came across recently. I'm not sure where. Jeb, you may have seen it too, because it's a, a, a motorcycle presumably they're going down a runway and there's like an aerobatic aircraft inverted going down the runway and the motorcycle is going along with him and he's reaching up and touching the the tail which is okay all right and i'm looking at this picture and in addition to all the other crazy dangerous aspects of this picture i was wondering how much force would it take pushing on this empennage to change the pitch or the yaw of the airplane you know what I'm saying? Uh, I haven't seen the photo, so I don't know what airplane or anything like that we're talking about. Um, but he's just—he he might not even be touching. He might just have his hand up there. Right. But but if he did touch it, <clears throat> I don't think it would be a, uh, an issue. If he pushed hard, could he push oh, it he, hard enough to push it to yaw it and get him in, into a bad situation? He's, he's only going to be able to push hard, as hard as his foundation yeah. lets him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's not going to be able to push very hard. But flip side of which is, you know, it really all depends on the airplane. What are the speeds involved? What are the control surfaces? All all things considered, I don't think it's going to be a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I know of a guy who snapped some pictures once, looking back from the front seat of an ultralight at another ultralight where that pilot was reaching out and holding the elevator 
of the platform airplane. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, this was all talked down in advance. Uh, and, you know, it was like, we don't really know what's going to happen here, but we know this much. You reach out and you touch it and you exert no other pressure. Not right. up, not down, not sideways. Right. Matter of fact, right. you, don't, you don't even really leave enough but pressure I, to put fingerprints on the skin. But I think Jack's question is, what if he did? What if he'd actually, you know, give it a good whomp? Or, right. You could, or, you or could or screw with things. You like could that. reach up to a rudder and jerk it to one side real quick, and that's going to... Well, yeah, well, but I, I'm, I'm not even talking about reaction. that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking like, you know, for example, if you could get a good grab on not the control surface, but just the, the static part of the of the vertical. Say, well, say a brace wire. Yeah. And if he kind of lifted upwards so that he changed the pitch of the aircraft, could he exert enough? How much force does it take pushing bet, on the tail to make bet, it change its angle of attack? I bet James Bond could, could do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're talking about a guy on a motorcycle... He definitely has got a solid enough foundation under him to exert pressure on it. Yeah. If it's another airplane, the airplane with the pressurizer is going to have to be exerting some pressure of its own. Otherwise, they're just going to kind of move in opposite directions. Yeah. Anyways, we should move along here because we're just At least it sounds see. good. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to the, uh, the Woodside 210 pilot who's not named in this article. And also congratulations to pilot Dan Halliday for uh, uh, getting on the ground safely. Good job. Yeah, good job. So uh, the, the Red Bull air races need to look out, you know. And I know they're kind of temp- currently suspended or on hold <laughs> or something like that, all right. But they got to look out because the next great aviation race event is we've just had the first of them here the um, just they had blimp races up the hudson river the other day I'm you know serious. if they could do this around pylons for about three laps <laughs> blimp races all right these are serious you take, you take a picnic lunch you make an afternoon out. i know yeah. well, it's like the steamboat races i used to watch living on the ohio river every year during kentucky derby the festival had steamboat races between you know usually uh, two or three steamboats up the river, and you could bring lunch. Matter of fact, you could watch this, the start, go get this, lunch, eat lunch, come back and see the finish. This is this is in line with the the tur- turtles at, at 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 Kennedy. Okay, it's it's the same kind of vibe, but with an aviation theme. Uh, yeah. So the story I put in the uh, list is actually the preview story. I, I remember seeing a story talking about the results, and they actually held this thing. And uh, I, I don't know why it amazes me, but somebody actually won. I don't know. It's uh, uh, let's see now. Here's something that claims to be pictures it's, from them. Gotta be a real gas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I mean, if, if they made the race three dimensional. That is, you know, you got to go up and down around pylons and and, and and things that make you change altitude to, uh, and then make it like two laps. Yeah, that's right. Because because oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, blimp races. I don't know. I I, I just even know him. No. Well, I could see it. You know, in high school, we talked about, you know, the but, kids after dates going to watch the submarine races on the Ohio River. Right. Yeah. And I can just see it now. Mom, we're going out to watch the blimp races. Wait a minute. I, I think this has huge potential as a new category at Reno. Right. Well, it does. But I, one, one thing I'm, I'm kind of one thing I'm kind of certain here. 
is that um, these people probably don't have as much sex as the Blue Angels guys <laughs> did back in, in Oh, man. I'm just, I'm just uh, saying. Blimp, blimp operators, we look forward to your letters. Uh, <laughs> so another, another uh, story I came across here was uh, from a website called, oh, it's called Airfare Watchdog, which presumably is some sort of, you know, for frequent travelers. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. Anytime you hear the word watchdog, man. Check I know. Out. Yeah, I know. But, and, and so he, he puts together a list of what he describes as that he, actually, it's not a he, it's a, the byline is Rachel, Rachel Prescott, uh, the world's most thrilling airports, all right? And there's maybe a dozen or so here, and most of them are ones that we're familiar with, we've talked about in the past, the, you know, all the different short runways and short approaches and runways that end at a hill or at the beach or things like that. One that I found most remarkable is that she, uh, is the James Bond airport that's in the Swiss Alps or in France or wherever that is. Um, there's Catalina, which I'll buy as being a thrilling airport because it's got cliffs at both ends and it's kind of got a big hump in the middle. And so that's good. That's thrilling. But here's the Sedona, one that... Sedona, Arizona. Sedona, Arizona. But here's the one. On the top of a mesa. LaGuardia Airport, New York. Uh-huh. Thrilling? What the heck? Really? All right. What, how, uh, it's, let's see what she says here. LaGuardia's, uh, New York's LaGuardia Airport is busy and short on space. It's bordered by the Bowery and Flushing Bays, and pilots must contend with crowded skies thanks to nearby JFK and Newark Airport. Mere miles from Manhattan, approaching planes appear to skim the skyline right before landing. Pilots make a number of white-knuckle turns. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, one of which is 180 degrees around City Field. Yeah, it's like turning... Downward base to final. Ooh, those white well, knuckle if, if, 180. If the, old, if the old Hong Kong airport still operated, it would be on this. Oh list. yeah, now that's I'm buying that. That's a thrilling. Okay. That's a thrilling but, approach. But uh, you, you look at this aerial shot of the of the main runway at LaGuardia, and the crosswind runway at, runway at LaGuardia, and there, there's water at three or four runway ends. Well, uh, there's skyscrapers yeah, but, within a couple of miles of them no, that are much lower than the approach altitude. Okay. Uh, and overrun area. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. You know, because if, no, no, I'm not buying that because it, you I'm know I'm not buying it, that either. I'm not buying that either. Here's why: by the by the same criteria, Washington National would be on this list. It should be. Right. It should be. Seriously, it should be. At, but it, water at the end of the runways doesn't make, you know, because if an airliner yeah, doesn't make no, the it, pavement. The approach, the approach into National is one of the most, con, particularly from the north, yeah. one of the most convoluted. Oh, yeah. Well, there's uh, the uh, well, there's, airspace you know, there's constrained, a, obstruction constrained things that you could ever imagine. Right. The river visual there's there a, is There's at cool. least one charted visual procedure for LaGuardia also that is, you know, or maybe it's Kennedy, one of the two. Uh, that that um, it'd probably be interesting the first time you flew it, um, but some of the other airports here are I, I, okay. I get it. Um, I, the the one the one in France, I believe it is that uh, is literally yeah. Here it is. Uh, I'm going to butcher oh, the pronunciation. Courcheval. Courcheval. Right. Uh, yeah. France, where it's basically built on the side of a mountain, and the mountain's not all that shallow. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty steep. No. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the Alps, and, and you have to have special training or something to get in there. Uh, runway is 1,722 feet long, um, uh, and it's at an altitude of 6,500 feet. 
but the DA yeah yeah it's on the side of a mountain anyway so I you know I buy all almost all I mean I basically buy all of these as being thrilling airports except I don't buy LaGuardia as being a thrilling airport I've flown the, the, the best thing about Courcheval is that on days like the one in the photograph here the density altitude is really only about 4,000 feet yeah. Well, here's a, here's a problem. Here's a factual error. Yeah. In one of these stories, says uh, here, quote uh, unquote, says pilot anonymous, whoever that is. Uh, engines don't produce the same amount of power, and with the air being thinner, there's less lift for the same airspeed over the wings. That's wrong. Oh, that is wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. That is, yeah. that is wrong. That is incorrect. There is less lift for the same ground speed over the wings. Presuming there's a no-win situation, but the airspeed uh, uh, doesn't the proper airspeed to be flown. Yeah, if you fly the right airspeed, the the wing will fly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the the wing doesn't know how thin the air is; it only cares about how much air is how much airspeed there is. Right. Right. And and that's why I indicated airspeed works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, thrilling airports, all of them except one. Although David thinks it's thinks LaGuardia is thrilling. So. Oh no, I think they deserve it. I just don't think the list is long enough. National should be on it. Dead cow should be on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dead cow should be on it. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, okay. What's next? I mean, yeah. Watching a twin beach come and go from that place. I've never done it that didn't make me hold my breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do it with great regularity. Moving on, David. Uh, so there's some sort of—is this an actual change to the NOTAM system or a proposed change to the NOTAM system? I think it was you, David, who who put this on the list, right? It was me. Okay, it's really all about the format that they're going to do NOTAMs with, and hopefully where you find them, uh, because there's this real quirk in the system right now where we're responsible for knowing all of them but not all of them are always made available uh at least not where we are i'm sorry i said i hate when that happens yeah you know uh you're also supposed to be responsible for the ones that get issued after you lift off even if they don't tell any of the people that you're talking to along the way uh but yeah this is changes specifies the no tams relating to uh standard instrument departures uh Standard terminal arrival processes, uh, they're changing some terminology, they're changing how things are are stated. Uh, We're going to have to study up a little bit. Yeah, a lot of providers. Yeah, Jeb, go ahead. A lot of providers have been doing this for some time. Uh, They've been organizing uh, via software, I presume, um, all notams that are applicable to a flight briefing. And, and setting them off into sections. Uh, the coding is in the NOTAMs. Um, if, you, if you read the NOTAM right, you kind of know, you know what's going on, and they get sorted into these subsections. Um, I've seen that, I don't know, going on six months now. I think it's a welcome change. Um, this is like putting a Band-Aid on, a, on an amputation, though. Well, this is all moot because, yeah. th- this is all moot because Senator Inhofe is going to fix the whole system anyways, right? Oh, man. You had to come oh, there. dude, why do you bait the hook like that? <laughs> why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> so, so our buddy, our good buddy, Senator Inhofe, um, this is, there's no better time. We've got to get this over with. We have no, to. Jack, no. Yeah, Jeb? Soup for you. <laughs> no, no soup for you, man. So, 
So Senator Inhofe this past week has has um, proposed or, or reintroduced, I guess is a more accurate term, the so-called Pilot's Bill of Rights, because he is horrified by the horrific way that he was treated um, as a result of his little lapse there flying his airplane. I'm being really sarcastic here. Um, you know, and we talked about this on email a little bit earlier in the week, and, and I think the three of us are kind of unanimously just disgusted by the whole situation but I, I some people might think see i'm a little torn on one level i'm a little torn on one level because the pilot's bill of rights on the face of it sounds like a good idea but but i don't i, I take senator Inhofe with a great big grain of salt what do you guys think i mean you, that you're willing to say in public <laughs> Um, Jeb, you, uh, you want to toss a coin uh, or go ahead? I'll, I'll follow. Well, um, this is first of all, this is not the first time Senator Inhofe has introduced related legislation or been involved with related legislation. Um, there was a bill that he introduced originally, I believe, in 1997. It was colloquially called the Hoover Bill, as in Bob Hoover. It was introduced in the aftermath of uh, him losing his medical certificate in the mid-90s, uh, eventually getting it back and uh, going through a lot of bureaucratic hassle. Um, I don't know all the details um, of, of what was, he was, uh, why his medical was pulled. Um, I do know that uh, of all the people that I can think of in the world who are safe, competent, pilots and are going to do the best they can do. Bob Hoover's like the, the first three names on that list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's no re- there was no reason whatsoever for him to get, uh, to go through the kind of, uh, of nonsense that he went through. Right. Uh, generated Agreed. by the FAA. Now, Inhofe's introduced, inter- Inhofe introduced this bill and it eventually became law in, t- in, in the year 2000 as part of the Air 21 FAA Reauthorization Act. And, and basically, it, it was a couple of paragraphs and um, um, didn't do anything. Full disclosure, we talked about this a day or so ago uh, via email, the three of us. And I did some Googling and whatnot. Um, I could not find a copy. I didn't look on his website. Uh, but I looked in the congressional record and I looked uh, on the official uh, um, U.S. House of Representatives or U.S. Senate uh, legislative website, and there's nothing there on this bill number. The bill number exists, and it's supposed to be this bill. I just couldn't find the text. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I want to read the bill and, and, and this kind of thing before uh, uh, I go off any deep ends. Um, but um, I don't know. I'll say this, and I will STF you, okay? Um, I think the timing is real curious because he ostensibly he's he's doing this uh in the aftermath of what he's learned um since he was um i don't know what the word would be accused or um uh, he was alleged to have uh landed on a closed runway with with men working on the runway uh this was like october or so of last year and um supposedly the f a a put him through uh, this this rigorous reevaluation and and um, um, did a lot of uh, uh, bureaucratic uh, um, uh, things with with him and his record and and um, uh, his training or whatever. Oh, okay, fine. But does anybody in, 
seriously think the FAA is going to pull a senator's pilot certificate um, over an incident in which no one was injured? I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, um, this is this is his legislative response to this, and and uh, I, I'm just kind of reserving judgment. Um, but I think also that you know the, the timing is a little curious. This event happened in October, and here we are, you know, two weeks before Oshkosh, three weeks before Oshkosh, and he introduces this bill. Uh, it, it's all very convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, d- David. Well, Jim and I share uh, in 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 a work qualification in our backgrounds. We both worked inside the beltway with around and in, in, in proximity to the lawmakers and lobbyists and administration people uh you know uh, executive branch agency folks and all that and there's nothing that jeb said that's out of kilter with that world what whatsoever what amuses me more than anything is that when the, the, the senator from Oklahoma was addressing the resolution of his 2010 incident landing on a closed runway that he didn't know about because he didn't get the no town. He said, and I'm quoting this uh, from a Washington Post story, uh, I could not have been treated better, he said, of the FAA. He praised the agency. Uh, he still insisted he did nothing wrong and said that he would introduce legislation to give pilots greater rights. Well, he did that this week. Uh, and some of what I've read of this is n- not bad stuff. Uh, it's been needed, some of it. Uh, some of it, I, th- I think, is worth some debate. But I'm kind of like Jeb. Uh, I, it would have been great if this had been introduced by another lawmaker with no recent acts to grind with the agency. Uh, and I'll point out very quickly that in the last couple of days since this was announced, uh, you know, on the 7th of July uh, or 6th of July, thereabouts this week, that quite a number of noteworthy senators from both sides of the political aisle have signed on as co-sponsors of this which I, I, I count as a good sign that this will get an honest debate and the good parts of it may even make it through to legislation and eventually into to law. Uh, I'm going to be disjointed if this comes to fruition and success and the FAA still doesn't have an operating authorization yeah, that's what I was, or a fixed well, budget yeah. or, you know, little yeah. bits of business like this that this senator and several of the others are in a position to see ha- happen. Right. Yeah. Right. And they haven't done that and they haven't done this for freaking years. So I'm sorry Thank if you. I'm not impressed a whole much. hell of a lot by this at the moment. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's and, the... And, go ahead, Jim. Anyone who labors under the misapprehension that... Um, uh, this bill we've passed as a freestanding bill um, needs to uh, maybe you know go for a uh, well needs to think long and hard. Uh, it, it'll be if if it is passed, and I don't think it's going to get passed this year. Uh, there's another year in this session, so it could be back next year, uh, or similar bills can always be introduced. But yeah. um, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't look for you know some some big floor battle or something like this in the Senate over this. Yeah. Okay. David. Um, so. 
Are you trying to tell me this light squared thing is still going on? What what the heck? I thought we I thought we'd resolve this whole thing, and I'm being a little bit facetious here, but uh, let's not spend too much time on it. But is there no, something new on this fool? All this light squared foolishness? Actually, there doesn't seem to be a week where there's not some kind of movement, particularly by light squared. These folks are not giving up. They're, oh, they're unrelenting. They're unrelenting. They're, they're worse they're, than they're unrelenting. Yeah. And, They're and worse than the that, telemarketers that will be calling you trying to sell the service that other vendors are buying from them. It's like a used car salesman. Dude, can I interest you in a 4G network? Well, what do I have to do to put you into this 4G network? <laughs> yeah. That, well, I mean, you know, dish up some Sansa belt slacks and some white patent leather belts and, 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 and penny loafers. And that's what I'm getting out of this. Yeah. No, this hadn't ended. This is not resolved. This is still a risk to what we do and what other GPS users depend on because there's a fundamental physics issue here. This isn't political. This isn't left or right, pro-business or anti-business. This is freaking physics. The, 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 the amount of power that reaches the Earth from a GPS satellite and the sensitivity of the antenna in that frequency range and the receiver that are necessary to pick up this whisper of a noise in the great background of space's own radiation is so sensitive and the power from several hundred meters away from even a half-powered light-squared transceiver station is about eight million times greater than what's coming from space. And we're being told by light-squared, well, that's our fault because we, we should be adapting to the modern stuff that they're doing and coming up with filters for it. Uh, well, here's the thing. If we filter against the penetration by slightly off-frequency radiation from your stuff, that'll kind of make it hard for the stuff that we want to hear to actually hear it. Look, it, It's yeah. physics, guys. It's physics. Yeah. Uh, I want you to give it up. I want the lawmakers to do away with it. Whatever it takes, FCC, back your silly butts up out of the corner and undo this horrendous thing that you've done. Yeah, Jeb, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I know, I know. By the way, did you catch? Did you catch David being poetic there? That was uh, he actually I, I was. Did I, I? almost, I almost got wood. <laughs> and I'll be doing that in a coffee house in a couple of hours. So. <laughs> the great cosmic background radiation. I, I said, I said, almost, almost. Yeah, right. All and, right. And when I do it on stage, I have Shatner doing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Music. I know. But I, but I was, I was coming, going to come back to one of my old favorites here, which is follow the money. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what this is all. <laughs> well, yeah, about. yeah, right, exactly. And, but, and, and, and down the road, you know, there, there's a, I wouldn't say a real possibility, but there's a, certainly a possibility. This money could be coming out of your pocket. Um, it comes down to this: either, either, um, um, Light Square is going to get a different allocation of frequency, um, or they're going to hammer. Just about every GPS receiver in the country, and those who want to continue to use GPS are going to have to buy them. Whether it's the public sector, you know, in, in ambulances and police and everything, um, at taxpayer expense, um, you know, anteing up to buy new equipment, uh, and then you and I who aren't getting, you know, paid by the taxpayers, uh, have to re, you know, redo our own equipment, or Lightspeed is going to have to move their spectrum. And I don't know. No one said. Here's the punchline that I don't get, okay? No one 
has said a single thing about the possibility of light speed using other spectrum. They haven't pointed out what other spectrum might be available or usable or might even be better for this technology than the spectrum that light squared uh, uh, has bought, which is just below the GPS spectrum. That's the thing that I don't really get in all this, is why, haven't some, why hasn't someone come up with an alternative saying, well, dude, you know, we got more spectrum over here. Step right up. We'll, we'll fix you right up. There's, yeah, we'll there's give all, you credit sudden, for what you've spent on the new one. There's, there's, this, there's, this, this, yeah, there's this false premise here that this is the only spectrum available. And that, that just tells me something. And I, I'm not liking the way some of this is going. Uh, relentless is a good word. Uh, but they clearly have some money behind them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how this is going to come out. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to dial this back to the FCC, fracking yeah. up huge by giving them a waiver to use terrestrial transmitters in what was very clearly designated a mobile satellite spectrum, and Light Squared knew that when they bought it, but they sold a bill of goods to the FCC. It's up to the FCC to give the receipt back and say sorry that you know. Your, your satellite plans can go ahead, but 40,000 ground mm-hmm. transmitters drowning out GPS, yeah. no, you can't do that. Are, Sorry. Are, you out, are you out of your freaking mind? Thank you. you know, um, well, but, it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of uh, disturbing because we've seen equal uh, willingness uh, I, to I, be I, ignorant of science in other areas. Yeah. Jeb, right. go ahead, and then we're going to move on. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good thing that we move on from this. Um, I don't know where I was headed. Um, one thing in here that I, that, um, I see Bobby Sturgill, former acting administrator of the FAA, uh, and now a senior VP at Collins, um, says that no one wants to stop broadband services from going forward, but it shouldn't be done in a way that is going to black out GPS services. There's still enough details on the table that need to be figured out, and engineers should take as long as they need. Well, that's, I, think, I think, you know, um, we've done some testing, and the testing has been, you know, it breaks GPS. Hello? Yeah. How much yeah. more testing do we need to do? Obviously, everybody, everybody except Light Squared is saying that it breaks GPS. So go somewhere else. Yeah. I don't understand that. On one level, I do understand because Light Squared is fighting for their business survival. I mean, they have no choice but to just keep coming back every week with another idea because otherwise they die. And uh, but maybe they should. I don't know. Anyways, we're obviously we're going to talk about this next maybe week. Maybe they so. should die. Yeah. You know, maybe they should die. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. So, anyways, obviously we're going to talk about this next week. So let's leave, as CNN Some, likes to say, let's leave it there for now. As a, as a as a junk airplane in a parts dealer, I know would be fond of saying, "Some must die so that others can live." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that. That's the that. That's it. That does it. Yes. Um, I don't know what the segue is. I'm not sure what the segue is. Some must die. Um, so, uh, so some some poor schmuck, you know, I don't know. I picture it as being a 150, wandered into the Camp David uh, TFR the other day, and it was a, it was a Blanca Viking. Was it really okay? Now, but now, now there, there may have been another. Uh, episode. No, oh, I don't know. You know, within the last week or so, the yeah. Did, uh, Reading the from uh, AP.org, uh, the Associated Press website, uh, a, a two-seat plane had to be escorted to the ground by an F-15 fighter after straying into a restricted zone around Camp David in Maryland. So, okay. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I know. Really, I really that would have been fun to see. That's that's a heritage flight, man. A Blanca and an F-15. I want to see how that works. Okay, um, it's. Uh, 
There's nothing to say here. Well, you know, just like I, I, I think the the fighter could almost slow down to the Blanca's cruise speed. Maybe I don't know. They they struggle to slow down enough to stay with the with the Mustangs, you know, and and whatnot at the at the air I shows. Bet the, I bet the F-15 crew, yeah, has more, more sex than the Blimp crew, <laughs> but less but less than the Blue Angels guys. All right. Well, I guess we'll leave it at that. Listen, (laughs) folks, if you're flying anywhere within shouting distance of Washington, D.C. and Camp David and all these things. All right. Look at the chart. Don't do this. It's just like not necessary. Get your head out of your butt. I know. Be careful. This is just this. This does not help any of us. And 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 you're going to get in big trouble. So don't do it. I, I used to hang glide from a state park on the other side of the ridge from Camp David. And I often wonder what became of what's become of that launch site in the last decade because we had restrictions whether he was there, whether the president was there or not. Uh, you know, they didn't want us to fly over, and they certainly didn't want us to land there. Although that did happen once or twice, uh, not by me, but uh, I saw it happen once. Uh, but I wonder whether they're even allowed to fly off that site at all now. I mean, yeah, you, know, pr- you know, you know how dangerous those hang gliders can be. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. No, they've probably taken that over. It's now a SAM site. You know, it's uh, you know, it's. I don't know. To I, shoot down fl- Belancas. Yeah. I've been. Fl- I, I was flying in and out of D.C. for thirty years, and I never um, came close to having a Camp David violation in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful. All right. It's just it's, the, it's, the, only, it's the only times I flew close to it, I didn't have a tent to camp with. So yeah, it, it's been a pro, it's been a prohibited area uh, since um, the Wright brothers. And you know, get your head out of your butt. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Story in the news, uh, and I just this is just so. There's a story about next gen uh, new air traffic control system at Crossroads. You, you nailed it, man. In your summary, you uh, nailed it. What did I write? Uh, FAA and ATA writing under the pen name of Joan Lowy. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So this is my cynicism. My cynicism is that this story is basically, you know, it's just the the message that the FAA and the ATA, which is, of course, the Airline uh, Industry Association, um, this is their message, and this is what they want everyone to believe. And so, you know, Joan Lowey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, of course, I'm joking. I'm sure Joan wrote this article on her own, but with a lot of, you know, Help, wink, I guess. Wink, wink, nod, yeah. nod. So, uh, um, there, there's no news here about next gen, right? It's just doing what it's doing, and uh, it's chugging well, along. And you know, here, here's a conundrum. Here, here is a really interesting conundrum, though. Okay, I would think that until this light squared thing is resolved, next gen is on hold. Okay, <clears throat> no one is going to sink any money whatsoever in the next gen at this well, yeah. time. The the, pri- the the non-government part of next gen, right? Nobody's going to, you know. But well, the non-government part of next gen government, is the, the majority of next gen, right? And, and the government part of it should be should be fired if they sink any money into this at this stage. Okay, <laughs> if if Light Squared, you know, gets their way with the with this particular spectrum, um, I think a lot of people are going to have, you know, you want to start buying and building new new GPS receivers. That's fine, but it's going to jack up the price for everybody 
uh, yeah. everybody. Well, the new receivers won't do it. Get, new receivers yeah. won't do yeah. it. Yeah. But wait, don't, uh, don't, we'll need new satellites to overcome the problem that they're so. getting down here. But don't you think that next gen is exactly the reason why Light Squared will never get what they want here? All right. This is what, you know, in the final analysis, next gen has got so much weight that it will be the thing you know that I, I, I wish i had the confidence in that because really? next gen is a big government program and light squared is that marvelous private entity that's going to save the world from itself and what and what better for your your the people you know uh going to your campaign events and contributing to your your re-election than people who are going to make all this money by redesigning and re-engineering and relaunching this huge gps system yeah. Okay. All right. And 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 they have this new technology called horizontally polarized radar that won't do a damn thing that they need it to do, but it's new. Shoutouts. We got a bunch of shoutouts here. Let's see if we can wade our way through here. I was actually going to assign names to each of these, and then I didn't. I, so I had one somewhere. Go ahead. Then. Yeah. Uh, I don't see your name associated with these. Anyways. Oh, I I I know. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't post my shoutouts, dude. I, well, in, ah, anyways, just just, just get oh, over, okay. Oh, all right. So here we. I'm sorry. I got to go on a rant here. This is unrelated to shoutouts, but this just. So the first shoutout has to do with AOPA has this uh, flight training scholarship program, which is a good thing, and I'm going to say some nice things about AOPA in that context in a moment. But first, I'm going to say that somebody from AOPA is listening to this podcast. I just got to believe that, all right? Somebody from AOPA is listening to this podcast and has something to do with the website. Every single time, not every single time, but all the time when I go to the AOPA website, all right, and go to a webpage, it suddenly pops up this alert box, which I'm now seeing on my screen, that says, AOPA Urgent Service Alert. Your AOPA membership has expired. Renew now for continued access, all right? This annoys me on so many different levels, all right? Uh, first has, of all... Has your, has your AOPA membership expired? Not only has my AOPA membership... Well, and let's start from the beginning here. First of all, they don't know who I am. So how do they even begin to think that my membership might have expired? I'm not logged into the AOPA site, all right? Cookies. Yeah, cookies, all right? So, two, all right, I have not expired because, three... I'm on their auto-renew situation there, all right? So they, I don't have to renew because they're going to do it automatically for me, all right? Yet, yet every time I go to the AOPA website, presumably the first time each day or the first time each week or something like that, I get this foolish alert that says your AOPA membership has expired. This is just, I hate to say it, this is another example of AOPA just doing everything they can think of to raise more money for whatever reason I can't imagine. Jack, Jack, yeah. Maybe, maybe you should call someone and whine at them. I, I, yeah. Well, I was planning on whining at. at I was gonna gonna march into the AOPA tent at. at uh, I, I mis I mispronounced it. I should have said whine at them. Yeah. So uh, I was planning on doing it at, at Air Venture, and I still will. But uh, you know, if you're listening, you got to fix this because it's annoying the crap out of me, and it must be annoying the crap out of other people too. Uh, huh. 
But the good thing, <laughs> but the good thing about AOPA, the good thing about AOPA, um, among many good things about AOPA, is that AOPA has launched a flight training scholarship program. Uh, they are uh, putting together some money to uh, help student pilots pursue the sport, recreational, or private pilot certificates. I won't go into all the details here. Just in general, this is a good thing. I applaud AOPA and any organization that is helping. Uh, uh, underwrite the cost of flying lessons. Uh, I've said this before. I actually think we should totally underwrite flying lessons. I think I think the industry should put together a fund so that anybody who's who has a good faith desire to learn how to fly can get a sport pilot license, no charge. That's what and, I think. And, and and why a pilot's license is not included with the sale of any new airplane is just beyond me. Uh, that's another great example. Yes. That's a great example. Yeah. Great, so, but AOPA has taken a step here, um, as has as had other organizations. Sporties comes to mind. All right, um, are helping pilots with the finances of, uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, thank you, AOPA, for that. Please fix your website. That's my shout out. <laughs> uh, David, you go next. Uh, Business aviation outfit called Chase Aviation has an annual effort to raise money for the Wounded Warrior Project, which provides transportation to our veterans who have come back from one of the sandboxes in uh, less than pristine condition. Uh, They auction off an airplane. And the way that what what makes this work is that uh, somebody donates an airplane that they can put into nice enough shape to auction off, and all the money goes to the Wounded Warrior Project. And you can check that at woundedwarriorproject.org. Chase Aviation. So, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have a spare airplane floating around that would be worth donating for an auction. But for any who do... Thought, and I'm betting money—I'd bet a tax deduction. But there's a tax deduction available for it, and nothing, you know, salves the annual obligation like a nice big charitable de- deduction. And if you don't have an airplane to donate, as I do not, uh, you can do what my bride and I decided to do, and that's write a nice little check to the Wounded Warrior Project directly to help provide airlift service here in the States for some of our folks who signed up with no requirement that they sign up, served because they decided to, and paid some physical price for doing what needed to be done. That's all i got to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let me add, this is not my, uh, uh, my shout-out, but let me add to that. The Veterans Airlift Command, VAC, uh, VeteransAirlift.org, uh, which uh, is a, a um, not unlike Angel Flight, but they arrange their flights for wounded vets. And um, another they, great one. I, I haven't flown a mission for them yet, but I am signed up with them, and uh, they seem like a, a, a top flight organization. They're doing this right, um, and. Uh, um, some of the people they're trans they're transporting, um, you know, they've, they've served their country, they've been injured, uh, they could use the help. And uh, uh, one of these days, I'm going to I'm going to do one of these missions, and and I'll report back on it here. But uh, this is a worthy cause. Uh, both of them are worthy causes, 
And if you have an airplane or access to an airplane, and and you want to uh, you know do something do something charitable, uh, this is a good way to do it. Yeah, Jeb, did you figure out what your shout out is? Yes, I did. Go for it. Um, and I don't know his last name. He's a listener. Uh, he's in the D.C. metropolitan area. I know him from the uh, D.C. pilots list. I think, based on his email address, uh, his name is David Phil. And uh, he's put together uh, a, a set of T-shirts or some, some T-shirt designs uh, for the D.C. pilots list. And uh, just some, some, some imaginative stuff. He offered us a, a really good deal. Um, um, and um, I tried to turn him down and, and whatnot. But nevertheless... Um, he's coming out with some T-shirts here. We'll have them for Oshkosh, um, and uh, just a, you know, good effort overall. And uh, uh, happy to see this kind of thing, and happy to, to recognize him. Yeah. All right. Do you can you recall any of the what's on? Give us an example. Well, yeah. The the back of the T-shirts. You know, uh, it says DC Pilots, which is is, is uh, on the back of the shirt. And then there's um, uh, this is on a white T-shirt. There's a black map of the DC area. And then superimposed over that are a series of concentric red circles with an F-18 in the middle of it. I see. Okay. And yep. at the bottom of it says, we live here, but even we can't fly here. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That's great. Um, do they have like a website or an email yeah, address? No, it's not that formal. It's not that formal. Uh, but uh, there might be, they might be available for sale uh, sometime in the near future. All right. Well, we'll sure definitely. If, if, uh, if they are, I will report on them. You bet. Absolutely. But, but David, thank you, and uh, good job all around on this, and uh, uh, look forward to seeing the shirt. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I've got another one here. Okay, so uh, f- um, one of our, our favorite other aviation podcasts for some time now has been uh, the Australian-based uh, Playing Crazy Down Under podcast, uh, and they're just some cool guys. Uh, they also like beer. Go figure, and uh, shocking. I know. I, I know. I yeah, know. and uh, they have uh, never managed to make it to Oshkosh, but they have particip- participated, uh, for example, in the Potapalooza event um, a couple of times by telephone, uh, live yeah. telephone, and a couple of times by a recorded yeah. visit. All right. Well, this year, none of that foolishness. This year, they're coming to Oshkosh. Dun, uh, dun, 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 oh, dun. cool. Stephen Grant are are on their way to uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. For I'm not sure if they're on their way just now, but they're going to be. Coming on their way. Uh, they're coming up to Oshkosh 2011, and it's going to be way cool to uh, meet these guys in person. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to them. Uh, safe travels. Look forward to seeing you here. We'll show you some American beer while you're here. How's that? Wisconsin beer. Well, all that being said, I do hope they brought some Australian beer with them. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll see. I'm not sure if what the TSA would have to say about that, but uh, but go for it if you can, because those Aussies that you don't you don't carry it on, man. You check it as baggage. <laughs> That's, That's right. Yeah. Okay. That could work. Nobody wants to schlep beer from from Australia to Oshkosh if they don't have to. Let the <laughs> let the bag handler do it. Yeah. And uh, let's see now. What else, David? You got anything else, Jeb? You got anything else? I got it real quick. Go ahead, David. War, Warbird fan, shout out to you, Brian Archer. Good luck with your 145 application. We're keeping our fingers crossed for you. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Okay. Now we'll stick a fork in it. Jeb. Jeb Burnside, uh, as everyone knows, yeah. uh, is a freelance aviation writer and editor and is serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where people find you on the Internet. 
Oh, let's see. JEBurnside.com, uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, uh, AEA.net occasionally, and uh, AvWeb.com occasionally. Or you can just Google me and, and, and you know, all those, those police blotter photos, they're not really me. And Dave Higdon is, uh, of course, notorious as an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net, that aviation safety thing that Jeb, uh, I show up there from time to time. And, And other places by appointment or by warrant, whichever comes first. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Learn more about me at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. This is going to be a tough one, Jeff. We apologize in advance. Uh, Thanks to uh, Mike Morgan and Roy Searle and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the new improved blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame. Oh, I wanted to say something about the new ratings webpage of fame. Um, by the time you're hearing this, we will have ma- I will have made a slight addition to uh, the new ratings webpage of fame, and that is that uh, there will be a submission form so that uh, you can, uh, when you achieve some sort of rating or aviation milestone, uh, you can submit it for uh, the to be put on the wall. And uh, I've fallen a little behind on posting a lot of these, and so I invite people who have had any sort of aviation um, accomplishment over the last six months or so to go in there and add yours in there, and uh, they're going to go in. They, they, get, they don't automatically appear, so you can't just put anything there. Um, but they'll go into the hopper, and I'll run through and approve them all, and uh, we'd love to hear about uh, whatever your accomplishments were from, you know, you're getting your private or your IFR or buying an airplane or, you know, becoming the administrator or the FAA, any of these things are are cool things for the wall. So check out the homepage uh, and the new ratings webpage of fame. Anyways, all that stuff is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something? Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan, so the more you fly, the longer you get by. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Get the notum, read the notum, Flying out of AMFFM. Ten Hut! The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are appearing as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. What are you looking at? Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and fly the aircraft. Now drop and give me 20 down what?